Amen. Well, Happy New Year, Shiloh. Happy New oh, Year. Oh, it's a wonderful day to praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Our God is faithful. Our God is merciful. Our God is perfect in all his ways. And today we give him praise. Amen. 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 So this song right here is kind of a new song. But we want you to sing along with it as you catch it. And this first part is one that everybody can get. It goes something like this. Oh. And forever we'll proclaim. And forever we'll proclaim. 
invite you to think with us for a few minutes about the response of the Magi. The response of the Magi. Today is Epiphany. And Epiphany refers to the manifestation of a divine and supernatural thing. Historically, Epiphany is the celebration of the coming of the Magi to find and worship the king of the Jews. Though tradition has made the visit of the Magi a part of the Christmas story, scripture tells us that it was well after the birth of Jesus that the Magi came. Scripture tells us that Epiphany took place within two groups. In the early morning worship, we saw that when Herod got the news of the birth of Messiah, his response was not delight, but he was troubled. Herod was so involved in his affairs and maintaining his power that the coming of Messiah gave him neither comfort nor hope. Herod's hope was in the power of his office. Herod's hope was in his material wealth. Herod's hope was in his political contacts within the leadership of Rome. At the time of Jesus' birth, Herod was very sick. He was suffering from intestinal and colorectal cancer. And the coming of Messiah was Herod's only hope yet it gave him no joy to learn that the Christ had been born. It reminds us, my brothers and sisters, that epiphany, the manifestation of the movement of God, is not good news to everybody. It wasn't then, and it isn't now. Many find no joy in God's moving in the world because we don't want to be confronted with the reality of who we are. So just in case you're confused about who you are, let me help you with that. You're God's creation, but you're a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. As good as you think you are, you're really not. There is none righteous. No, not one. Your time in this world, I don't care how much cold cream you use and how many different colors you dye your hair, is finite and limited. Man born of a woman has but a short time to live, and that is filled with much trouble. There is a price to be paid for your sin. The wages of sin is death. And this is why we all need to experience epiphany, because it is only as God moves in our lives that we have the opportunity for redemption. God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting 
life. We need to have epiphany in our lives, but we also need to be ready to positively respond to our epiphany when it happens. Herod had no joy at his epiphany. He had no joy at the news that Messiah had come. But in contrast to Herod, we focus in this worship on those who came asking, where can we find and pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews? These men were scholars from Persia. They were not Jewish. They were academicians. They perhaps had a historical interest in Jewish culture because for many decades Jews had been the captives of the Medo-Persian Empire. But they had more than just academic curiosity. They say they had come to worship the king of the Jews. These people had studied Jewish and world history. They had read Jewish literature, including Jewish scripture. And clearly by their words, they had also studied star systems. We have seen the star in the sky. They were familiar with the constellations, and they were intrigued when a star of unusual intensity suddenly appeared in the night sky. But I want to be clear. None of that made them wise. We call them wise men, but none of that made them wise. That simply made them smart. Wisdom is more than having knowledge. Wisdom is knowing how to rightly use the knowledge that you have. And in the case of these scholars, they realize that we need more than this. My brothers... And sisters, as we move into a new year, we need to acknowledge that outside of a surrender to Messiah, we need more than what we have. If we don't rightly respond to God coming to us, then we will always be insufficiently equipped to meet the needs that confront us. We just came out of Advent, the celebration of God coming to us. But let me ask you today, what good is it for God to come to us if we're unwilling to be changed by his coming? John says that this was the problem with the people of his day, the people to whom Jesus came. John writes, he came to his own, but his own didn't want him. My friends, response is important. One reason why there's so much anxiety among God's people is because they don't know how to respond to God's coming. One reason why a lot of folk stay camped at pseudo-churches that teach humanistic dog droppings is because they don't know how to respond to God coming. Let me tell you something. Any church that places a higher priority on loving yourself than on loving and serving one another is a pseudo-church. Any church that talks about pursuing the material over the spiritual is a pseudo-church. And if you don't know what pseudo means, it means fake. Epiphany means that 
we are to positively respond to the movement of God in our lives. But the sad reality is that for too many of us, our response to Messiah's coming is inadequate because we stay camped at fake places. Consider what these scholars did. First, they went in search of Messiah. These scholars were familiar with Jewish history and Jewish theology. As we said, Persia had once held the Jews in captivity, but they had found that even in captivity, these people were always looking for a better day. Even in trial and tribulation, these people were looking for someone who would change their destiny. They knew that Ezekiel had talked about a wheel in the middle of a wheel. They knew that Daniel had talked about a stone cut out of a mountain. They knew that Solomon had talked about a rose of Sharon and a lily of the valley. And so when they saw this star in the sky, to them it was a guiding light. And they were willing to go in search of a Messiah. Let me ask you, if you're still there, are you willing to search for Messiah? Are you willing to leave some things behind in order to experience the presence of Messiah? Paul said to Timothy that we must be willing to endure hardness as good soldiers if we are to experience the presence of Messiah. Are you willing to do that? Epiphany reminds us that if we are to get the full benefit of the movement of God in the world, then we have to move as well and become searchers for Messiah. And that leads to my second point about the Magi's response. They were willing to sacrifice. When they came searching for Messiah, they made a serious sacrifice of their time and energy. The distance between Persia and Jerusalem was just under 1,100 miles. Traveling by caravan over that distance would have taken several months, yet they were willing to make the sacrifice. Shiloh, how many of you who can't search and can't stay still long enough are missing out because you're not willing to make a move? Searching demands movement. Searching demands effort. One reason why Epiphany hasn't made an impact on us is because we're trying to conduct a search without making a sacrifice. The Magi didn't just make a sacrifice of their time and of their energy, but they also made a sacrifice of their resources. If you can't say amen, say ouch. When they found Messiah, they presented him with gifts Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The Christmas song that we sing says that these men were kings, but nothing in the text tells us that they were kings, only that they were magi. They were members of a priestly caste of Persia. And so for them to present Jesus with gold, frankincense, and myrrh meant that they made a huge financial sacrifice to worship Messiah. 
Oh, my brothers and sisters, if we are to experience epiphany, we must be willing to make a sacrifice of our time and of our energy and of our substance. I don't know how you can use the things that God has entrusted to your care to enhance yourselves, but won't use those gifts for the building of Christ's kingdom. Giving back to God a portion of all he has given to you shouldn't be hard when you remember that all you have comes from the Lord. As we move into a new year, the only appropriate way to respond to God's epiphany is to make a sacrifice to him. A dime out of every dollar is not too much to sacrifice to the one who woke me up this morning and started me on my way. A dime out of every dollar is not too much to sacrifice to the one who keeps health in my body and sanity in my mind and food on my table and clothes on my back and a roof over my head. A dime out of every dollar is not too much to sacrifice to the one who keeps you in your right mind. And if you are too mean If you are too self-centered, if you are too faithless and too feckless to do that, then you're not ready to respond to epiphany. Okay, I bothered you long enough. Final point. The Magi responded to epiphany by going in a different direction. After they found Messiah, they made their sacrifice, and they sacrificed their talent and their treasure. The text says that when they left Jesus, they moved in a different direction. When Herod learned that these men were seeking Messiah, he told them to let him know when they had found the child so that he could come and worship also. But after the Magi were in the presence of Messiah, God spoke to them in a dream and told them, go home in a different direction. Shiloh, the greatest thing about worshiping Messiah is that once you come into his presence, he'll lead you in a different direction. Bishop Gilbert Earl Patterson used to sing a song that that talked about the different direction that our lives take after Epiphany. You won't leave here like you came. In Jesus' name, bound, oppressed, afflicted, sick, or lame, for the power of the Lord is still the same. So you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. I don't know about you, but that encourages me, for it reassures me that something happens when I come into the presence of Messiah. A change takes place when I draw near to see the King. I'm invited to take all my burdens to Jesus and leave them there because Jesus is God's epiphany. Jesus came to soothe my sorrows and heal my wounds. Jesus came to plant my feet on a solid foundation. Jesus came to save me from myself. Jesus came to give us hope for tomorrow. And because he came, I can move 
in a different direction. I don't have to stay wowed in negativity or in fear or in anger or in bitterness or in resentment or in jealousy. But because Jesus came, I can move in a different direction. Because he came, I can live and move and have my being in him. Because he came, I have peace in the midst of any storm. Because he came, I can love my enemies. And I can bless those who curse me. And I can do good to them that hate me. And pray for them that use me and persecute me. Because Jesus came, I can move in a different direction. If you're in need of a shift, you need to come to where the shift takes place. It takes place when you come to Jesus. Hymn writer put it this way, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I have no desire to stay where clouds arise and fears dismay. While others dwell where these abound, my prayer and my aim is higher ground. Lord, lift me up. Lord, let me stand by faith on heaven's table and a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. It's in the response. It's in the response. It's not always in what God does. It's in how we respond to what God does that makes the difference. God keeps doing wonderful things, but our response is not always comparable to what God does. We actually get arrogant enough to think that we did it ourselves. But only God can open doors that others have closed against you. Only God can make a way for you when there appears to be no way. Only God can build a hedge around you and make the enemies your footstool. Only God can do what he does and turn the darkness of midnight into the light of noonday. Only God can take chaos and turn it into peace. Only God can do what we need. If epiphany is to have any meaning in our lives, then we have to be willing to go in search of the king. We have to be willing to make a sacrifice of our time and of our talent and of our resources. And then we have to make a commitment to move off in a different direction. It's all right to look back at 2020, but we're in a new year. And God has new things that he wants to do in our lives. And I've learned you can't drive a car very well if all you do is look in the rearview mirror. I'm keeping my eyes focused on him. Eternal God, our Father, thank you for your movement in our lives. Help us to respond in ways 
that are pleasing to you and beneficial to us. Let us not be like Herod, but let us be like the wise men. Let us affirm that we are searching for you, that we're willing to sacrifice for you, and that we're willing to move off in a new direction as you lead us. Bless this simple word which has gone forth. May it be a help to those who have heard. And now as we open the doors of your church, if there is some man, woman, boy, or girl who has been a part of this worship experience, who does not know you in the pardon of their sin, we ask that something that has been said or done would cause them to surrender their lives to you. We ask in only the name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake we pray. Amen. Cause at the mention of your name, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that you are, you are Lord. Yes. Cause at the mention of your name, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that you Oh